feeling the pressure put, I'm in control Learning the business, I'm putting the work and I'm ready to go And if you're scared, don't be Just listen to Tony What's going on, guys? Welcome into episode number 39 of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's a snowy day. I hate the snow, but either way, we're here. And I am so excited about my guest today. As I pretty much mention every show, I try to find ordinary people who do extraordinary things. Uh, and that's what motivates me. That's what inspires me. And today's guest, guys, is absolutely no exception. Uh, she went to Harvard. She graduated with honors. She's incredibly intelligent, and I'm so excited to have Nadia Urrea here on the show. Nadia, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Tony. I am very excited to be here. Like you said, on this very snowy day, I'm glad I'm indoors. <laughs> Worth it. A hundred, a hundred percent. So one of the reasons, guys, why I invited Nadia onto the show is because I was so impressed by her story. Uh, so just to give you guys a little bit of background, I, I met her parents uh, via a real estate transaction and they would just tell me about their daughter. She graduated from Harvard and she was doing all these cool things. And I was like, I have to, I have to meet this human. And so uh, we were finally able uh, to uh, connect and just kind of talking a little bit about her story uh, her background, kind of what she went through, uh, going through her Harvard experience. I thought it would be so valuable to have her on to just kind of share that. Because for me, education is so important, especially in today's day. Um, and I actually, in our prep meeting, I learned so much about kind of that whole process. So, um, but before we jump into kind of the story, Nadia, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you're about. I would love to. So, yeah, so that, that's exactly it. I think um, I'm excited to talk about education. It's something I'm very passionate about and have been uh, my whole life because of my, my parents' example, for sure. Um, and so I am a, like you said, my name is Nadia, and I, both my parents are from Mexico. I was also born in Mexico in Monterrey, Nuevo León. And uh, we moved to, you know, like many other people, many other immigrants' story, we moved to the U.S. when I was very young, and my parents, you know, were looking for those opportunities, right, to have um, the more options and chances at having better education, better prospects, career prospects, you know, whatever that looks like, whatever you want that to be. And so um, we moved to Texas uh, when I was very young, grew up there. I have two younger sisters that were then born in Texas as well. Um, and, you know, from for different reasons, but, um, you know, some, we had a lot of financial difficulties growing up at certain points in our lives. One was my mother, she, you know, was, was injured pretty severely for a while and had, um, you know, a lot of issues with, um, her, with her health. And, you know, she was bedridden for a couple of years and, um, it was one of those things to where doctors couldn't really find a diagnosis. So it was a lot of like spending tons of money going from one doctor to the next. And also that instability and uncertainty of not having, you know, your mom, who's kind of like the pillar of a family <laughs> being healthy and, and there for you in, in, in her full capacity. But even with that, my mom is definitely the strongest person I know 
the wisest person I know. And even through her, you know, many years of health density, she always was very insistent on us performing to our, our greatest ability, right, into our fullest potential when it came to academia and education. So um, that was something that really, you know, obviously because of her example has stuck with me and has really paid off in the long run. So, um, so again, yeah, I, I grew up in Texas and um, we always did, I mean, always attended public schools, but that was something my parents always really um, prioritized, which was finding the neighborhoods that had the best public schools, you know, with the best track records or the best opportunities, both academic and extracurricular. And that way, even if we had to live, you know, if it was like a, a more expensive neighborhood and we had to live in a tiny, tiny apartment, like we would, you know, we would do that. And my parents acknowledged or identified that sacrifice as a worthwhile sacrifice early on. So um, definitely a lot of my achievements or my accomplishments are in great part due to my parents' um, foresight, right? They they knew what was going to be important. And even with their very limited resources, at many times, you know, they they found a way to to make it work. So obviously, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. Uh, but then, yeah, I just, you know, sought out as many because again, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have the money to hire private tutors or enroll in like classes on this and that. And so I always tried to, you know, do my research and seeking out scholarships for summer programs. And I got to attend some amazing ones, you know, in high school, I was part of what was, I don't know that it's still uh, the same program, but back then it was called Duke Tip. And it was for, you know, talented students. And, um, I applied for scholarships, so I was able to attend, you know, completely free to these um, to these summer programs that were put on by, uh, you know, very high caliber schools and everything. And so I learned a lot about scholarships are definitely out there. You just need to yeah. do a little bit of research and look for them. Um, and so just like that, I, I tried really hard to build up kind of my, my resume with the little or many resources that I could um, gain access to. And, um, and it's actually kind of funny because I never wanted to go to Harvard. Like Harvard was never on my radar at all. I was a huge Duke fan. So I was in love with Duke and I wanted to go to Duke my whole life. Um, diehard Duke fan. And the story is funny because when I applied, I was like, oh, I'm only going to apply to Duke. Like that's the only place I want to go. And I felt very confident in my chances because like I said, I had been going to Duke tip, you know, um, programs like all of high school in the summers and things like that. Um, and my mom, again, being very wise and being very, <laughs> very intelligent about, you know, those, those big life decisions, she made me, you know, apply definitely to more schools and have those, you know, your safety, your reach, and then dream school. So my mom was the one that she was like, okay, like just apply to Harvard and Stanford, you know, just, just to see how it goes. And, um, and so I did. And what ended up happening when application or when the acceptance letters came around at the, you know, around March, I think it was, um, the first one I got was my Duke letter and it was actually a rejection. So I got rejected from Duke university and I was so heartbroken. Like literally I've never cried harder for a breakup or for anything else in my life. I was so <laughs> devastated. And I remember 
coming home, you know, because I found out while I was at school that day. And I remember coming home and I had kind of like calmed down. But then I went into my closet to like change out of my, my clothes for the day or whatever. And in my closet, I had this like entire section of all of like my Duke uh, like clothes and gear and stuff. And so all over again, I was so, and it was a very dramatic scene of me like taking all the clothes out and like throwing yeah. it out. So yeah. But, um, but the thing that has, what was funny about it, like following that is that again, I was just super sad for a few days and I didn't want to do anything or hear anything. Um, but the Stanford and Harvard letters came out like the day after and um, I didn't even think about looking. So like a week later, my mom was like, hey, Nadia, like when are, you know, when are the Harvard and, and Stanford, uh, you know, rejection or, or acceptance letters coming out of the decisions? And I was like, I don't even know. And so my mom was like, oh, go check your email. And so I, I did for the first time, like I said, in like a week. And I and there were my acceptances to Stanford and Harvard. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, in that moment, I just had so many mixed emotions of like, you know, I, I'd never even thought about attending yeah. Stanford and like or Harvard. And anyway, so it was it was a really funny, you know, you never know when where you're going to end up. But the I think the what I learned is important is to always be working towards the goal and like keep preparing yourself and the opportunity that's for you will show up. Right. So, yeah, no, I love yeah. that. I agree with that 1000%. And, you know, when we're doing the prep call, I, I basically mentioned, you know, you going to Harvard for a lot of people, if we talk about an educational context, that's like winning the Super Bowl, right? It's, it's like the school, <laughs> like the place everybody wants to be, you know, Harvard, it just has this massive brand. Also like, you know, Stanford, Duke. Um, and so the reason why I think this episode is, is so enlightening is because we have two very important aspects. We have the, the story of your parents, which, which I love, and, and I have a lot of listeners that are parents. But then on the other side, from your own perspective of, of the student. So that was something mm -hmm. that I was incredibly interested in because I've talked to a lot of people who have a lot of, you know, educational goals and they want to be doctors and they want to be lawyers mm -hmm. and they want to go to all these different schools. And sometimes they, me knowing a little bit about their situation, they go through some of those same struggles, whether it's, you know, low income, health issues maybe not living in the best neighborhoods. And so I feel like there's, yeah. in many cases, they use it as an, as an excuse to say, well, you know, I wish yeah. I could do that, but I can't because of this, 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 and this. And so I kind of want to go right. back to those early high school days. Um, yeah. talk, talk to us a little bit about what some of those challenges were and how your parents handled them and how you were able to stay focused throughout high school in order to actually get accepted. Because one of the things that I always admired was if I think back of, of, you know, back in my high school days, I just like sports. I like just hanging out with my friends. I wanted to just hang out with girls. And so my grades weren't like amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think I graduated with like a 3.5 GPA or something. Like it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't amazing. And so for yeah. schools like that, you have to have a good resume. You have to have a good GPA. So how, how do you stay on track when you're just a kid knowing that you have all of these external real difficulties going on in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. I think so. I definitely think that for any student is a two pronged answer. Like there's two approaches or, or two pieces of the puzzle that in my experience, again, made me very successful. And based on the other people that I met, you know, at Harvard or other successful people that I've met, for them, uh, for a lot of them, it's a similar pattern. And so one, I know we're talking about the students, but 
the parents are really important in this, right? And so, and I know, again, because I, I've met people um, from all of all types of backgrounds with all different life situations that, you know, not everyone always has a parent that can be there for them in that capacity, right? And so I think one is, is it's really important to kind of find a mentor or find your cheerleader, find someone that can help you stay accountable. Um, and that might even be another friend, right? Maybe you find another person that's also really interested in going to an Ivy League school or that's really interested in XYZ. And having someone to help you stay accountable, I think is, is key, especially as you're saying, because when you're, when you're young, it's like you, there's so many fun things that you want to do and doing homework maybe doesn't seem like the most attractive thing or a way to spend your time. Uh, but that was definitely big for me. Like my parents, again, they were, they were on me making sure I was, you know, staying on top of things. Um, you know, there were consequences if, if I didn't perform as highly as I could, you know, if I was getting bad grades. I would receive consequences, right? Whether I couldn't like hang out with people or I couldn't do this or that. And I would say like for parents that they shouldn't shy away from that, which, um, you know, it's not, you're not being a monster if you're helping your student, you know, or your child or whatever in the long run. Um, on the other hand, for a student to, you know, as your personal, like, how do you stay focused? Honestly, I think it's the key is to keeping your main goal at all times in the, you know, in, in the, the forefront of your priorities. Um, and I think that it's, as a young person, it's really easy to be short-sighted, right? Of saying, like, you're just thinking about, like, this weekend, or, like, what the party that's happening tomorrow, or, like, the thing that's happening in a couple of weeks. And I totally understand that it's really hard to be, like, you know, where am I going to be in four years <laughs> every day when you're in high school and you have, you know, um, you're learning to develop social relationships and you have, you know, stresses and all of these things that are happening at once. Um, but I think that is the key. And I think for me, it'll be different for everyone. You have to find out how, what works for you. But again, like for me, like I said, I had, I made it very visible and very accessible what my goal was so I had like my Duke stuff right so I had like Duke clothing that I wore all the time and and that that was a trigger for me to thinking like someday I want to be an actual Duke student so I have to keep on working hard um something I would do whenever because I I think my what I hated the most in school was writing essays. I, I'm very much a science person. Um, and, and I mean, I love writing like essays or papers when it comes to like, you know, research, but whenever it was like English or something very, you know, flowery, that was really hard for me. And so what I remember I used to do is I would always write Duke at the top of my, you know, when I was in Word at the top of my Word, I would write Duke on top. And, um, you know, when I would sit down with a computer and like, start getting distracted and I can't even imagine it must be 10 times more difficult nowadays because when I was in high school I think Snapchat was like just coming out <laughs> like there was you know Instagram didn't have like stories there was not really TikTok or anything like that and so I'm sure it's a lot harder to really stay focused um but yeah just making it is sure that you have that that priority and that goal in mind all of the time, I think for me was something that helped me stay focused. Otherwise, you know, then you're like, well, why am I doing this thing that's hard and, and not fun and not exciting, right? So you have to have that really clear in your mind and try to remind yourself in different ways every day. Yeah. 
I love that. I think that is that is so key. Uh, that's something that has has also helped me in my in my specific goals. You know, I'm in the real estate industry, so one of the goals I had was to be on on the Forbes Real Estate Council. So I did something very similar, where I had just the Forbes logo as the background of my cell phone for for a long time. And so every time that I looked at that, it just kind of reminded me, right? And so, um, but you know, I was in my late twenties. And so what is so impressive is that, you know, you're a kid and you can have that drive and that focus. So you said a couple of things that are absolutely key. Number one, for parents, just really, really, really getting involved with your kid's education, you know, knowing where they're at, actually checking those progress reports, going to parent-teacher conferences, you know, just yeah. those maybe like tedious things that I, I know a lot of parents don't like to do, but it's absolutely so key. And also the consequence part. So just kind of thinking back, was that like a point of conflict for you guys? Like like where they would try to force you to do homework and you didn't want to, and, and it was it was an actual conflict within within your household? So, you know, I think I, I was very lucky because I think there's all different types of personalities and people that, you know, like different things. And for um, for me, I think it was just, you know, when you're born, you kind of are born with a set of like intrinsic uh, talents or, or preferences. And I personally really like learning. So I didn't personally like hate homework. Um, I think that that was something that Fortunately, um, and, and and I honestly think that part of it is because my parents were from such an early age taught us that it was an important thing. So it became something that was important to me. And because it was important to me, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, no, like, I, I don't want to do that. Right. Because it was, again, I always knew the reason why, because I think it's really hard for people to be told to do something if they don't understand why. Like if if I if I don't know what I'm getting out of this. And if I don't know why this is important, why am I going to do something, right? Um, and I think for me, again, it was it was always something that I, I had internalized and believed was important. And two, I knew why I was doing it. I knew that I was doing it because it was going to take me one step closer to getting into, you know, Duke, which it's funny because it didn't end up happening, but yeah. it did end up getting me to like the edu that education, which was important, right? And so I think that's, that's an important thing for parents too of of um maybe helping their kids realize why you know when they're when they're doing something or um you know making it very clear that it's like if if I'm punishing you or if you're receiving a consequence of some sort of some sort excuse me this is why right this is the reason and that way you know not to do it again or you know why this is in, is important yeah Awesome. Awesome. And you've mentioned uh, Duke. Why Duke? Tell us kind of at what age does that click? What happened? Why were you trying to be a Blue Devil? Sure thing. So I, um, I always wanted to go into marine or study marine biology from a very young age. I just, you know, loved the ocean and like the animals in the ocean. And very quickly, once I actually started getting into school, you know, um, science was my favorite topic. When I, when I got into biology, I was like, this is incredible. So it's just, it was very much my interests were locked in or at an early age um, when it came to education. And Duke, you know, when I was, I don't know, probably in eighth grade, I started looking into things like, you know, what, where are there, you know, where are good marine biology programs that I could attend? 
And um, Duke was a school that came up and they actually have an amazing marine biology program and actually even the campus. So, you know, the, the school is in North Carolina and it's, you know, uh, close to, to um, the shore, obviously. So it's beautiful. Also the state is gorgeous, but the actual Duke's actual marine biology campus is on a little island off the coast of North Carolina. So the students literally just live in this island. They wake up to dolphins, you know, and I know all of these things because then, you know, once I saw that, like I told you, I, I went, I attended what were called the Duke tip programs. And one summer I did their marine biology one um, on the Duke, uh, the Duke marine biology campus. And it was, you know, it was just incredible. It was literally like living a dream and, that was probably, I think, the year, uh, probably after my my freshman year or my after my eighth grade year. So that really locked it in for me, you know, that I was like, yes, like this is it, I love it. And um, and then I kept on attending. Um, I attended other programs at Duke's campus, and it's beautiful, like the Gothic architecture, just like all of these things that I was just like, yeah, this is it for me. Um, and also, you know, I think I. It was really my only contrast to, like I said, I grew up in Texas, and so the the East Coast is very different <laughs> than than Texas is, you know, when it comes to uh, any, and like even the West, just because of all of the, you know, the older architecture and like the history that that that's there and stuff. And so just looking at my two options that I was familiar with, which was, you know, the Duke and its campus and its, and its um, programs and like the universities in Texas, which are great schools. But again, I was like, I don't really want to go to school in Texas because I grew up here. Um, and so that's what really solidified it for me. And then I had, um, you know, I made great friends at the Duke tip programs who were also kind of, you know, wanting to go to Duke. And so that was some of that accountability where like one of my best friends, um, to this day, uh, she, she was also like, yeah, like, let's go to Duke. And we started building this dream together, you know, and then we would, when we, we didn't live in the same city. And so when we would communicate, be like, oh, like, how are you doing? And like, you know, what are your, your plans? What are you working on this year? Um, and so that really helped me again, keep on working towards that goal. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Duke, you know, I'm, I'm a big coach Krzyzewski fan, so I followed Duke basketball. So. <laughs> exactly awesome institution but uh so and i love the fact i don't want to say i love the fact that you didn't get into duke but i think that it proves <laughs> an awesome point right because you know you yeah yeah goal and at the end it might be something different that is actually for you but your pursuit of that goal is what can allow you to get to where you actually need to get yeah. and so uh i just yeah. kind of think back of when i was applying for colleges and stuff as I mentioned my GPA wasn't terrible but it wasn't amazing so for me it was it was it was hard because I felt like I had to be perfect I felt like you know if a school was going to take me I had to kind of like put up this front that I was like this perfect human being and yeah. I was so afraid to get rejected and I had a lot of friends who some got in some didn't get in and so for me there was a lot of anxiety behind college application. So uh, talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Just at first, just having the courage of applying to Duke, Stanford, Harvard, and then how do you go about the process of making yourself stand out to the point where you're accepted by two of the three? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think that is my biggest, whenever I talk to young people about college and applications, that that is my biggest piece of advice is don't stand in your own way. 
don't be the one that says no, right? <laughs> like let the school say no if they need to say no. Um, don't do that for them. Um, and that's always something that my dad, you know, again, part of the, the philosophies my parents taught me, taught me, but my dad always would say, you know, el no ya está ganado, vamos por el sí. So it's basically, you know, the no is, is there. Let's go, let's try for the yes, right? Like that's, that's you know, there's nothing to lose. And so, um, yeah, I think that basically when applying or, or, you know, the courage again was, for me, I was very lucky to maybe stumble upon or find and be able to attend things like Duke Tip because it taught me when I saw other people there. And again, while we were there, they taught us about, um, you know, the, the financial aid that they, they offered their students, their, their student demographic makeup, you know? And so it's kind of like when they say like, you know, in TV and media, seeing representation on, on TV and like seeing people in shows that look like you makes you feel like, Oh, I can do that too. That was kind of the moment for me seeing students that looked like me or that had similar backgrounds as I did in, in places like Duke was like, Oh, I can do this too, right? Like this is an option for me. And so that's what really gave me the courage to actually apply and to not just be like, no, like it's never going to happen in a million billion years and I should just not even do it, you know? Um, and so once you, once you tell yourself that, like, and once you start believing like, oh, I can do it because other people have done it too. And I want people, you know, when I share my story, and I, I should say, this is really the first time I've officially shared my story in any recorded way. So this is kind of like a, a world premiere or an exclusive <laughs> here. But, uh, but when I talk to people, yeah, <laughs> but when I talk to people, I'm like, I, I, I'm not like sharing my story because I like to brag that I went to Harvard. But I like to share my story because I, I realize that there's still so many people like me that don't know it's a possibility, you know, that they just didn't grow up knowing this or believing this or hearing this. And I'm a person that I, you know, as you, as I was, as I was mentioning, and we talked about before, Tony, but, you know, growing up, I, um, we had a lot of financial issues. My mom also had, you know, the health issues. There was a time that we were homeless, literally, you know, would have to live with, with some friends. And it was us, a family of five lived in one of my uncles. He, he was, uh, he lived in a one bedroom apartment and our family of five lived in his living room. <laughs> and, you know, and there was times when we didn't have like electricity or I didn't have a computer at home in high school. And so, you know, I found, I had a network of friends who they would let me borrow their computer to complete my homework, or, you know, we'd have to go to the library or we'd have to go here or there that had free Wi-Fi so I could do my homework. And, it was hard and it was thing and it was it was things that you have to work harder, you have to be smarter, you have to be creative, um, but you can do it. And 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 that's what's amazing that we do live in a place um and in a country where you do have that option. Um I on top of that am also a DACA recipient. So I didn't have, you know, that was another thing that kind of stood in my way of like not being able to apply for FAFSA or federal, you know, aid. And I was like, you know, how am I going to do this and everything? And thankfully DACA came out and now DACA is, you know, reestablished to its former glory. So I, I hope more and more young people can keep on applying um, and getting that help uh, through DACA and, and uh, opportunities. Um, but, but it really was that it was, it was just being aware and seeking that information out. And so I would recommend there's so many resources for young people and being able to 
look online. Um, like I know there's a website called Big Future where you can see a lot of like the, the stats on schools. They tell you their, you know, their average cost, the average uh, financial aid they provide. They tell you, you know, what the demographic makeup is. And if you start getting this information and you start realizing that it's possible, you'll be able to apply for these things. Um, and uh, and that was one of the things that I tell people, you know, I went to Harvard basically for free, which <laughs> Harvard is a like $66,000 a year tuition. And I basically didn't pay any of that because of the financial aid that I was provided. So it, it's insane, you know, and people don't believe me sometimes when I say like, yeah, I went to Harvard and I have no student loan debt. Like I don't have any debt now. And they're like, what? Because they don't believe it or they don't know, right? They're not aware of that. And so that's very much part of my mission, just being, bringing awareness to that. Because again, once you know it um, and you couple that with your desire to be there, it's going to happen, right? You'll be able to make it happen. Yeah, no, I love that. So guys, I mean, just to recap and listeners, write this down. I mean, we're talking about being homeless. We're talking about not having electricity. We're talking about health struggles. We're talking about financial struggles. And yet... And yet she's able to make it to Harvard completely for free. But the key is you have to do your part, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. you, mentioned, you have to find a way to get it done. You have to find a way to get your work in. You have to find a way to find these programs, you know, Duke Tips programs, whatever context you're in, to get involved and to try to learn. Um, and that's, I think, what is absolutely key. Because if you have a goal... There are ways to get it done, but you have to seek out the information, if that makes sense. Like you have to go get it. It's not just going to come to you. And whatever difficulties you have, you have to find ways, as you mentioned, whether it's finding good friends, having a mentor, your parents, whoever it is, but they Mm -hmm. can help actually resolve those. And so I want to kind of transition to your actual Harvard experience. But before that, uh, in our prep call, you mentioned something very interesting, I feel like one of the things that hurt me in high school was I had the idea that I had to take all of these honors classes, that if any college was going to take me seriously, I had to take the hardest classes. And so I started to do that. I like got myself into like AP English, AP chemistry, and I was trying to be an athlete and I wasn't the most studious person uh, as, as is. And so my grades kind of started to dwindle a little bit because I was, I put myself in those hard classes and I didn't have the, I guess, drive or the, the, the habits to be successful in those classes. But you mentioned something very, very interesting about that. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the things that people do wrong when applying. And yeah, I think that's a really important thing for us to cover. Uh, And I always emphasize this with anyone who's applying that, they, the schools want to know who you are, okay, because always know that as smart as you want to try to make yourself be on paper, there's always going to be someone smarter. So honestly, on grades alone, you can't accomplish anything. There, there are obviously thresholds, right? They're saying, you know, you need to meet these qualifications. But once you get there, everyone else that applies and gets there, you know, you have to stand out somehow. And you do that by telling them who you really are and not the perfect and just the nice things about you and which your life, right? Did, which is what I did. If you were to read my college admissions essays, you'd fall in love. I was like <laughs> the greatest person of all time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Um, and, and through my, and I learned a lot of this, not just while I was applying, because I'm not saying that I didn't also fall into this pitfall. Cause I, I felt the same of like, Oh, I need to be perfect and just show them how many medals I've won or how many things I've done and blah, 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 blah. Um, but once I was in college and I was, I got to work with the college admissions office quite a bit. What I learned is that it's real people that are reading your application, right? Real human beings with emotions and with, with their own, um, you know, desire to, to have other people that they like around them in their community. And so what happens is that, again, obviously they want you to, to meet certain thresholds with like your grades and everything. But after that, they really want to know who you are and what you've had to overcome as well. So a lot of applications have either the essay prompts or additional information sections for you to share additional information about you. And it's really important. It's key to share anything that might have made your life more difficult or your trajectory more difficult to share that information. So for people like me, for example, sharing the fact that, you know, I, you know, had to be creative and find ways to, to write my essays or to access internet or blah, blah, blah. Or if you're someone who lives in a, in a very rural town that has, you know, 900 people population, one school, there's no AP classes, like explain that to them. They're not going to count it against you if you didn't have the resources. So if you didn't take, you know, a million AP classes, um, because, you know, tell them it's because I didn't have access to any of them. But, you know, I started a program in my community and tried to, you know, help through service or whatever. Show them that you looked for ways to make a difference or to stay engaged academically or in your community, whatever you're passionate about, despite those issues, right? But let them know. And when you do that, that, you know, goes a, a very long way for them because, again, they're, they're getting to know more of your background. They're understanding why maybe you didn't do X, Y, Z. Um, and they also will appreciate or, you know, it speaks a lot more to you if you found other ways to be creative and to create your own opportunities. And so I think that's key of sharing the good and the bad in your applications. Share the difficulties. If you're someone that, you know, you live with a single mom, so you you have to, you know, babysit your 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 brothers and sisters because your mom works and that's why you couldn't do extracurriculars after school. Let them know that, right? Let them know what is going on in your life because they have no way of knowing. Literally no one's going to come tell them <laughs> um, and they're not going to do the work of like Googling you and looking it up because they have tons and tons and tons of applications they have to go through, right? So it it is your job to let them know who you are. Yeah, no, awesome. I think that that is so key, guys. So don't be afraid to just tell people your story. You know, whatever you had to go through, let them know and don't try to be this flawless, perfect human being. So I think that that, that is something that the young people listening and also the parents can really take away, you know, to just really analyze what do I have and how can I maximize my resources? How do you stand out? Because you said, you said something key, you know, everyone has to meet a certain threshold of your grades, but once you're there, everybody, everybody else has it right and your grades alone yeah. aren't gonna aren't gonna do it just by themselves and so i think that 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 was absolutely key so uh you get your acceptance letter you go on to harvard talk a little bit about what that was like moving from home kind of the effect on your parents and once you once you get to campus what was that whole harvard experience like once you were already there 
Yeah, definitely. So I was definitely one of those people that was very excited to leave home, you know, fly from the nest and go somewhere new. Um, but I literally had never been to the Northeast. I'd never been to Boston. I'd never been on campus until the day I moved in for school. <laughs> and, um, and it was very much crazy, like full of emo- I was so excited. I think the biggest emotion was excitement. I was just so excited to have my life start, you know, because I think that for a lot of people, when you feel like you're an adult or you're really a pseudo adult, you're not actually an adult when you're in college, but, uh, but it felt like, you know, I was an adult and like that the world was just at my feet, right? The options and the possibilities were endless. And I was just so excited about that. And so, um, definitely kind of the 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 other feelings came later where I maybe got a little homesick here or there or things were like oh, so overwhelming or like stressful and stuff like that uh but but it was all all in all like so amazing so good and I and I now I understand you know because I used to be like oh how can you like peak in college and people say those are the best years of your life like and and I think the reason they say that they might not be like the best and like you're never going to be as happy as you were in that moment but they will be I think the most unique years of your life um because yeah you're in a very unique social academic um personal situation right because you're kind of like this you're in a place where you're going to be surrounded by more people and interact with more people than you probably ever will in your life, you know, at, at any one time. But at the same, it's such an individual, at the same time, I should say, it's such an individual experience where you don't really have any responsibilities to, towards other people. Like you don't have to worry about, you know, kids or you don't have to worry about a, a spouse necessarily or, you know, whatever. Um, and so those undergraduate years um, are something that, again, won't happen again in your life, likely, right? And, um, and so it, it was the best time, um, and the most unique time, I loved it, it was definitely, it was more than I could have ever imagined in every way, it was harder than I thought it was going to be, it was more fun than I thought it was going to be, it was more different than I thought it was going to be, you know, um, kind of to, to walk you through, like, I think, again, your first year, I, you'll have the most culture shock and the most like, oh, what is this, right? Uh, but definitely, I was not prepared for how hard my classes were going to be, you know, like, I took, um, I was able to take IB classes in courses in, in high school, which were, you know, like, like college prep, like difficult classes and everything. But it was really nothing, you know, compared to this. I was now in classes where, you know, you first, you know, in high school, you're reading like one book, maybe a month or something like that. I was in classes where we had to read 500 pages a week for one class, right? Like for one of the assignments for the class. Um, One of my first tests I had to take was, uh, it was like a midterm and it was a 25 page essay. And I was like, I've never written 25 anything, you know? (laughs) And so it was just like, you'd get dropped into the deep end when you get to college real fast. And I know that's not unique to Harvard, you know, and and again, I'm not trying to scare anybody away from it. It was definitely very doable because there were so many resources. It's the truth. It is what it is. Yeah. 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 And, And again, and that's something I'm like, just think of all the people that have gone through college, like, you can do it too, right? You can, you can make it through. Sometimes you might have some sleepless nights or whatever, but, but it's, it's all part of it. Um, and so, uh, so it was, like I said, it was more difficult, you know, than I thought it was going to be. And the biggest thing was 
figuring out how to manage my time. And that's, I think, the third thing. And maybe I'm, I'm off of my count of the things that I tell people, but the, I would say the third thing that I'm like, you know, start practicing your time management now, which again is hard because you're a young person and there's fun things to do and you, you know, want to prioritize those things. Um, but time management is such an important, important, you know, rest of your life skill, but definitely when you're in college, because no one is going to be reminding you of things, you know, it's not like in high school where you have like your English teacher and she's going to remind you like here, you know, this test is coming up or this essay is coming up or blah, 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 blah. In college, it's like, Hey, like, this is what you have to do. This is the due date. And then you have to deal with it, right? Like if you, if you turn it in, great. If you don't, <laughs> too bad. There goes your, you know, your tuition money for that class yeah. for that semester. And also not having, not having your parents, which, which for you growing up was, was a big support. Oh, now that yeah. you don't have them there. So if, if you want to slack off or if you want to go hang out, there's nobody there to tell you not to do it. So I think that the level of commitment and the level of self-discipline has to increase because now you don't have your parents kind of hovering over you. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that was one of the big things for me that it was so different when it came to how responsible you have to be for yourself. Right. And, um, and not only in like the, the sense of, again, time management in the sense of like, oh, you know, I'm just going to have fun and like procrastinate my work, but also something I had a huge issue with. And also I saw a lot of other people in college have an issue with that first year. It's so easy to overcommit. There's so many more options, so many more things to do in college that you're going to want to do everything, you know, and especially if you're a person that's like curious or if you're, you know, an overachiever or if you're someone that just like, you know, likes to try different things this is going to be very dangerous for you because, you know, I, you know, signed up for classes um, and they were more difficult and more time consuming than I was anticipating. But then I also, so I, I'm very much a, you know, like our, I lo- I'm a singer. I love to sing and, and theater. And so I did two musicals. I did an opera and I sang for a band my freshman year of college. And it was horrible. Like it was, it was just too much time that I did not have. Right. And I don't even know how I survived (laughs) that first semester, but, uh, but, you know, I somehow made it through my grades definitely took a bit of a hit for it. So, um, so then I learned really quickly the next semester, I was like, okay, let's not do as much this time. Um, But, but yeah, so that's all part of time management of knowing, being really aware of like how much time you have and um, and taking stock of like all the things you need or want to do, because even like I'm not I'm not here to tell you, like, sorry, you're going to have to sacrifice socialness and only, you know, do your extracurriculars and your schoolwork, because I loved the social aspect of college. Right. And it's just, again, being conscious that that's excuse me, a really important component and that you're going to want to spend time with it. And so just having your time that you say, okay, in this time, I'm going to be spending with friends. This time I'm going to be studying. This time I'm going to be, you know, doing, uh, you know, playing on a team or do being in a play or whatever. So, um, so yeah, that's, that was the biggest thing for me, the time management. But outside of that, my college experience was, you know, incredible. I had so much fun. I met so many amazing people and in college every conversation has so much substance like because people's minds are just stimulated constantly and like 
all of your friends just came from a class where they learned something super interesting. And so then you're at lunch and you're talking about these things. And I always tell people that's what I miss the most about college is having just these super interesting and amazing, not mundane run of the mill conversations that I still get now and then, but it's just because again, I'm not, I'm not interacting with that many people and people that I do interact with, we're all kind of in like our life routine. And so it's just not the same. Right. Um, but but yeah, I, I, again, I don't, I'm like, I want to cut myself off because I can definitely talk about my college experience oh, for, for no. hours. <laughs> there are so many fun things. <laughs> no, this is absolutely perfect. And so um, just kind of to uh, wrap up here, Nadia, I love everything you said. It's such an inspiring story, truly. And maybe, maybe you see it, maybe you don't, but there's so many kids out there that have those issues. And again, and I'll say this till the day I die, like it's, they're real issues and it's things that make things harder, no doubt. And there are people that don't have those issues that I guess could be seen as having an advantage. But at the end of the day, you are where you are and you have to do what you can with what you've got, you know, and there's no use in, you know, being sad or getting down or quitting because things aren't ideal. And so I think that if we yeah. were to find one common thread throughout your story, it's just perseverance. It's just setting a goal and then slowly doing yeah. what it takes to actually achieve it. And so, you know, you go to Harvard, you graduate with honors, you did it, you won. What comes next? Because I know a lot of people that graduated from college um, and they kind of graduate and then maybe they're not in their field or they just, they just like, nah, you know, they're, they're no longer motivated. They all, they already checked off the box. So now that you're here, now that you've gone through this, you've succeeded, you've won in that arena, what comes next? Great question. And I think that was another surprising thing for me that I thought, you know, once you went to college, like you were done making decisions, like you would go to college and then, you know, all the other pieces would just kind of like fall into place. But you do make a lot of decisions. You'll keep on making a lot of choices (laughs) for years and years to come after you graduate. Um, And so for me, that was one of those things where in college, I did end up studying biology. Absolutely loved it. You know, I did a lot of um, my internships were all like research. I did research in labs and stuff. And I found out, again, you keep learning about yourself that being in a lab, at least the lab that I was working in at the time, it was really isolating and really lonely. And I didn't love doing that, you know, day in and day out necessarily. And, um, and also I was a poor, you know, college kid. And I was like, well, I need to make some money now that I'm graduating. And so I did a little bit of a turn and I was like, you know, I kind of want to try corporate, you know, the corporate life, corporate jobs. And so that's what I've been doing since I graduated. I I am a consultant with a human resources firm, which has also been, you know, a totally different life experience. You know, I've been able to travel with client for clients and um, it's been a really interesting way of learning about in many different industries. And so I've, I definitely love the work that I'm doing. Um, I actually, so my husband, I met at Harvard as well. And so we got married and um, he was also a consultant doing consulting work. Uh, and so we both had, you know, a lot of traveling and we got to, to see a lot of that. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what my next steps are, you know, there's so many things I'm considering, because again, it's, there's still so many great options. Um, I'm thinking about going back to grad school for uh, genetics. And because again, I, like I said, I still, biology is still my first love. I I absolutely adore it. Um, But I also have loved this experience that I'm in right now, you know, and I'm trying to make, like, I think that's important to, even though you're looking to the future, 
and make the best of your experience you're in right now and learn the things that you need to learn, right? Learn the things that this experience needs to teach you. Um, and, uh, but you can always, like I said, keep things, uh, all the different options at the same time. So even since I graduated and we were living in Houston, we're now in Utah, but we were living in Houston after we graduated in 2017 and I was working, but I was also doing community theater, you know, and I was doing service with different organizations. Now that we're in Utah, um, well, we're still getting to know everything because we moved here not too long before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and so, you know, we don't, we aren't super familiar with everything. Um, but while being here also, you know, still being involved with, with music and things like that. Uh, but the other huge thing that I would love to plug while I'm here and with your audience is the, um, the Puente organization. So while here in Utah, I've become part of a, a nonprofit organization that focuses on trying to help parents primarily, but also the students learn how to apply to college, right? Learn about the higher education system in the United States, because that's one of the big things parents, if you're an immigrant, you know, we, we focus on the Latino community, but obviously our advice can help anyone who wants to apply for college. Um, we learned from our Latino parents that the college application or like the college system, the higher education can be very different from your, you know, mother country. And so it's, again, knowing, being aware of the opportunities, having the know-how of applying, that is really important. And so our, um, our organization, we have sessions, which we, um, different presentations where we will present uh, and teach you guys about the application process, about financial aid, about life in college, um, life after college, you know, and um, I highly recommend now that we're, again, because of the pandemic, we're, we're, we used to do all of our sessions at high schools, but now we're, we're obviously transitioning more into Zoom and we're excited actually about the opportunity that that gives us to open it up to more students, more parents, you know, more participants. And so I would recommend you guys to check us out. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email us at puente.utah at gmail.com. And we also have a mentorship program so you can get assigned a, a, a current college student to help you and talk to you about your personal, you know, um, college application process, any of your prospects or questions. Um, but again, we would highly recommend we will be doing those set, uh, excuse me, sessions of those presentations, but we will also start holding office hours uh, monthly where it'll just be, you know, an open session on a Zoom call. You guys can join, ask us your questions about, you know, applications, financial aid, standardized testing, and we will do our best to be there for you guys. And again, bring your parents because we do a lot of these, you know, primarily in Espanol so that everybody can have that access, right? We want parents to know um, and we want the students to also be aware of those options. So that's something that's been really driving me lately. And again, like I said, I'm, I'm very passionate about education. I, uh, I know my life would be really different without it. And I also would not have been able to achieve that education without knowing the things that I know that I think I count myself very lucky that I kind of stumbled across the right people or the right resources. Um, but we want to make sure that everyone in our community, the Latino community has so much to give. There's so much potential. There's so many great minds out there. And we just want to make sure that everyone has 
those opportunities, right, and has access to those as well. So please do check us out. You can also find us at nipuente.com, uh, and uh, I'm sure if there's show notes, we can share those <laughs> those links. But uh, but yes, please email us with any questions, and we would love to have you guys as well. I love it. I love it. And I've seen such a recurring trend with talking to people. When people win, they want other people to win. And so, guys, yeah. check out Puente. <laughs> If it doesn't, again, if you're Latino, if you're not Latino, if you have a nephew, a niece that's in high school, anybody, guys, check out. Uh, these guys know what they're doing. As you guys have learned, they're experts. So when people win, they want other people to win. So plug into them. And I want to, first of all, thank you so much, Nadia, for being here. And before we wrap up, just give us your top three tips for a parent or a student that would like to get to a Harvard-esque Yeah. Yeah, so my top three tips, again, is going to be don't get in your own way, right? Don't, don't think that they're going to say no, right? Don't convince yourself of the negative. Keep the positive in mind, right? Always go for the opportunity. The second thing is to stay focused, right? Have your goals clear in your mind day in and day out. Know what you're working for. Know what you're fighting for so that everything you do will be worth it, right? Everything you do will pay itself off because you know why you're doing it. And then the last thing, again, specifically in this college application process is that you want to be genuine and authentic in your applications. Let them know who you are. Let them see your struggles. Let them see your victories. Let them see the obstacles you've had to overcome. And that, that is what's going to set you aside. That's what's going to make a human person that's reading your application say I want this person in my community because they will make this a better community for everyone so those are my top three tips um, and I really I pray and hope that everyone goes for their dream school that they go for these opportunities because I am a living testament if I can do it literally if I am someone who can do this and accomplish this anyone else can. You have the the options there, the opportunities, the resources. You just, when you are like me, like us, that you're maybe a Latino community and, and you're in a minority or you don't have the financial resources, you just are going to have to make up for that with a little bit more work. Um, but it's going to be worth it at the end of the day. I can guarantee that. And I, I stand by that promise. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, I have learned so much throughout the last hour that we have been together. So I want to thank you so much for being here. Guys, this has been episode number 39 of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you so much, Nadia, for being here. Till next time. Thank you.